Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rising Ecosystems podcast, a bi-weekly show that delves into the world of startups, innovation, and the communities that surround them. I'm Alex Owen-Hunt, FDI's Global Markets Editor, and I'm joined by... Me, Jesse Ballo-Paris, a business and tech journalist and editor of Unleash, which is a media platform covering the future of work. And today, we're going back to Belfast. We are indeed. There's an exciting part two of our episode to come. But before we jump into things, Jesse, as usual, I'm really keen to hear how you're doing. I'm so happy today. The sun is shining. Um, it feels like spring is finally, finally here. We've got the Easter bank holidays to look forward to, which is amazing. Some restrictions have lifted here in the UK, sorry, in England, I should say, which means that we can meet people outside. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling good. Um, I think things are finally looking a little bit brighter, even though we still have to be careful, etc. cetera. But um, yeah, I'm excited. How about you? Because I know that you might venture out into the office this week. Yes, I have been given permission and I certainly I'll be meeting up with my colleagues at FDI Intelligence in the office, which I'm very keen to do, having been months and months and months since we've seen each other in person. Um, and yeah, I, I quite look forward to getting out and do some sports and some meetups with friends, which I think we've all been missing for a very long time. And as you say, the, the sun is shining. Uh, you know, I always in my classic Britishness, always mention the weather in this podcast, but it does make a massive impact on my psyche. And I think it's the it's the hottest week of the, the year so far. So everything's looking up, uh, my, my brimming with optimism as usual. But to jump into our episode, we are going to Belfast again. Uh, I suppose if anyone missed that first part, you can get access to it. It will be on the FDI podcast on your preferred platform. Um, but for those who maybe want to just a quick summary, what were some of the main takeaways for you, Jesse? Um, I think it was really interesting how Henry, which is, of course, one of our guests, uh, was talking about how he'd experienced loads of different hubs all across um, Europe, um, all of different stages in maturity. And eventually, despite initially thinking that going back to Belfast would be career suicide, took the plunge and is now um, growing a startup over there in stealth mode. Stealth mode. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And it just kind of shows that normally when those kind of entrepreneurs that are really seasoned and experienced do go back that has a huge impact on the ecosystem as a whole uh, because he's also I know helping to shape loads of conversations between first-time founders and investors and you know um, things like getting an MVP um, etc so um, I just think it's really exciting. And another point we touched on of course was the troubles uh, and how tech startups are now being used to unite the Protestant and Catholic communities. And Jane mentioned that she had actually previously left due to what she saw as a lack of opportunity at the time, which is something that has completely changed now. And really, there was a strong sense of the, the strength of technical talent in Belfast and across Northern Ireland. And I suppose that was that was a main message of the first part of the podcast. While Belfast is the central sort of hub, it's actually the, it's an ecosystem across the whole of Northern Ireland centred around Belfast. So clearly very exciting things happening in the ecosystem. But I think as we start our second part, you began the conversation by asking uh, Henry and Jane to walk us through some of the other challenges in the ecosystem. And this is what they had to say. Um, you know, really, really good point. And actually, I loved uh, Henry's point about um, about unicorns. We obviously have two billion dollar value companies in Northern Ireland, First Derivatives, fantastic company recruiting locally and established in Europe, and then, and then Canist um, as well. But we need more zebras. Um, 
Um, so to, to Henry's point, the, the companies who will actually provide great value, but maybe not that, that billion dollar ranking um, and, and value. And I think one of the things that has been holding back with, within this sector in terms of access to, to finance is, is those investment instruments. Um, so Northern Ireland has a really strong technology background. We are engineers and tinkerers and, and have developed that over, over the ecosystem of really strong universities. Um, and in terms of funding those type of companies, it can be quite difficult from a Northern Ireland perspective to secure that level of funding. And thinking particularly in terms of the life and health sciences, you know, so we have some really strong, um, strong uh, innovation excellence in our universities and life and health sciences. And we have a really brilliant kind of middle stand of companies and really growing companies within that sector, diastetics, really standout company. Um, in, in Northern Ireland. And then you've got the likes of Almac and Randox who, who are doing, doing well leading uh, propositions. But actually the level, the ability to get between that early stage funding um, and, and that latter stage funding when you are a deep tech company um, and, and you can't be valued on the financial metrics that Henry talked about can be really challenging because you need kind of sector experts, but probably you need those more in region. Um, and those can be difficult for venture capital to take a risk based on, on that, particularly in Northern Ireland. So there's many companies who have been, I think, pushed towards a more services based model rather than investing in those deep technology milestones in order to deliver that. So um, part of the instruments we're looking at within the challenge funds, within uh, the digital pillar is to how can we bridge uh, with an equity type finance to back and be those funders alongside bringing in international investors to, to kind of uh, de-risk that investment. And actually just recently, the announcement by the UK government of the future funds, breakthrough funds is actually just trying to address that gap. So seeing how that can play within within that ecosystem, um, I guess to, to bridge that other challenge as well as, as the, the talent and the funding aspect, but for those different types of technology companies um, that, that need a different funding uh, basis. But as I think Henry said, um, Northern Ireland are kind of uh, sometimes hide their light under a bushel. So, um, and that was my experience, certainly uh, working as a VC in an all-Ireland uh, fund. So um, you, you were less likely to get a very strong, compelling kind of uh, sales pitch from a Northern Ireland investor versus a, a Northern Ireland entrepreneur uh, versus perhaps uh, those based in the South. But actually when you peel beneath the surface of the substance of the opportunity, there was often very strong, significant de depth and a really strong investment proposition. So I think it's really key to show those pathways uh, and those entrepreneurs who have exited and done that to provide pathways for, for those kind of uh, under, uh, those real strong opportunities within within that um, entrepreneurial ecosystem in Northern Ireland. And I guess to show them uh, the, the opportunities that, that lie through pursuing that route and having those more case studies of both those exited entrepreneurs um, and growing those really solid performing businesses. Yeah, just to add to that, um, you know, I think it's also an education piece for the entrepreneurs, right? Because, you know, probably 99% of the entrepreneurs that reach out to me and say that they struggle to get funding in Northern Ireland um, are reaching out to VCs pre-product, um, you know, with very little traction or kind of, you know, um, with underwhelming kind of results after being going for quite a while, right? And, you know, what people in Northern Ireland have to realise is it's just like anywhere, that if you're demonstrating a lack of growth or, you know, mitigating the risk of VCs. And of course, you know, venture's risky, but of course, you know, you, you need to tell a story that's going to basically overcome those objections. 
Um, you know, I, I think people are going out to race too early. Um, you know, they're also kind of wrongfully thinking that money actually equals success. So they think if they raise investment that that's going to make their life easy. And I, I really, really feel that a lot underestimate actually that, you know, that only accentuates the problems in terms of, you know, the pressures to perform. Um, you know, and there's a number of times where I've seen startups where their CEO has been fired because he hasn't delivered the KPI metrics on a seed round. And didn't get to Series A, you know, people getting trapped between different verticals, um, you know, uh, in their own industry where they just haven't got the expertise to deliver really. So, you know, I, I personally think that one of the key issues is, is actually there's not, you know, enough high profile out and out um, operators and um, entrepreneurs where, They've got not only a Northern Ireland reputation, because I think there's plenty of those, but I think actually a pan-European and global reputation, right, in Northern Ireland working on the ground. So, you know, I think a lot of investors that potentially would invest in Northern Ireland, uh, you know, because there's plenty of pan-European funds. I mean, only, you know, a 40-minute plane hop to London, there's loads, right, um, and, and further field. So, you know, a lot of those people aren't necessarily seeing the, the talent that's on the ground that perhaps Jane or I would do from obviously having local um, connections and 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 um, expertise really. So I think you know what I would also advise entrepreneurs is is that actually, yeah, understand the process a lot better because I think you know you're going to look very green to a VC on the investment process and they're not going to trust you to invest the money in you if obviously they they know you don't even know what things like IRR mean and stuff, right? So you need to really understand that. Um, secondly, as well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm mentoring um, two celebrities from Northern Ireland at the moment. They're actually starting a startup and um, they've been charged thousands for a business plan um and basically that business plan is something i looked at and was like guys just rip this up um and and they're not tech so they haven't actually got a technical um experience um you know they've been quoted i think it was like 100k for a product for an mvp and um you know and and i hear these examples so often in northern ireland where people actually don't necessarily know how to get going so they pay over the odds or people see them coming um, so one of the key things that I do with people is actually two things um, is basically refer them to a CTO as a service who can actually, um, you know, help them get an MVP very, very cheaply to get them going and try and form the hypothesis and prove it. Um, and then secondly, in terms of the education piece of the actual, um, you know, the investment process, um, you know, it's not difficult to find that information, but obviously you need to know where to look. So, you know, things like Carlos's from Seacamp's book for um, fundraising, the fundraising field guide is something that I'm always sending the link, the link to people. Um, and tell them, look, read it, familiarize yourself with the process and understand what you need to demonstrate and show people to be able to actually get investment. Um, and then finally, um, I think in my own experience, I mean, at the moment, I've got a term sheet from a tier one USVC at the moment, which I've said no to. Um, and the reason for that is, is actually, I don't want to overcapitalize. I think valuations at the moment, especially in the US are very silly. Um, you know, they're just super crazy to justify. Um, and I think you need to know what you're doing because obviously, yeah, you can raise a big investment and you're going to get lots of attention in the ecosystem and people are going to see you as kind of a marquee. But if you go and fail, you know, you've just showed that obviously people do raise a lot of money in Northern Ireland, but actually guess what? You failed. And of course, you know, the sort of appetite for failure in, the, in, in Europe is a little bit less than it is in the US. I mean, in the US, it's almost a badge of honor. Um, and I think at the moment, it's that kind of early kind of chicken and egg stage in Northern Ireland where if you fail publicly, it doesn't really reflect well on the ecosystem. So I think everyone needs to understand their own personal strategy. But for me personally, I'm being quite Machiavellian about my own fundraising, right? I mean, you know, obviously, I've got kind of a relatively good network and also kind of seasoned kind of operator experience, which I can demonstrate to VCs and also an ability to execute. Um, but I actually want to go to that table when I'm raising money with a lot more. You know, I want to have like, you know, 20% um, month on month growth. 
um, at a reasonable baseline. You know, I really want to have obviously a great team which I've put in place, which I feel is maybe, you know, not world class, but it's kick ass. <laughs> it's able to really be shown that actually, guess what? We know what we're doing and we can execute. And, um, you know, it's still early days for me. And I've only been officially going for a week, um, but actually set up in February. So about five weeks in total in terms of part time. Um, and already I've got a term sheet, right? So I'm just saying, obviously, you can you can do it and, and you can attract the money there. But obviously, you need to come out of your comfort zone. You know, you're going to have to really do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of awareness kind of outreach to not necessarily pump your, uh, blow your own trumpet and pump your story, but just get to know people, right? Go and get to know VCs. Ask them for what they're looking for. You know, go and speak to mentors, speak to entrepreneurs that have done it before, you know, and really build your network. And that's something that I've done probably for the best part of 13 years. Um, so because I've been doing that for so long, obviously, you know, it's great when I mentor entrepreneurs in Northern Ireland because I can connect them to somebody who can help them very quickly. Um, I, one last piece, I know obviously we were straight up the time, but um, I was actually doing some mentorship for a, a, a group of Protestant leaders um, in the Protestant community for a, um, a, well, a project called Cooperation Island, which is basically run to create unity um, between the, the North, the South, and also the UK as partners. So basically people are collaborating in sort of, um, you know, in many different ways um, in terms of peace building, economically, you know, also lots of different things as well. Um, and I actually went and did um, um, a, a talk for what was called the Legacy Project for leaders in the Protestant community. And um, when I was doing that talk, what was fascinating was is actually how many of these people which are leaders in their own community didn't even understand actually that there's things like seis available for entrepreneurs so everyone in the room was like everyone that comes to us with a business idea we can't get them funding and they're from a really rough protestant estate so there's a stigma attached to that and bloody bloody blah and you know i explained to them what seis was and you know look i mean invest and i have got pages on the internet which explain this kind of stuff right but unless people know they're there and we can raise awareness of that then people won't know so these own kind of community leaders weren't actually aware of that and what was really interesting for me is actually um after the talk um one of the ladies actually in the group came over to me and went my son's a professional footballer um you know he makes a lot of money could he invest in in, in the local businesses and could he get the tax benefit and i was like hell yes <laughs> of course he can you know he should be right and she's like well why did i never know about this and, you know, and again, it goes back to what I said at the start of this point. We need to educate people in terms of what's out there. We have to get out of our comfort zone and swing from rooftops. And, you know, that might not be natural for most people that's indigenous to Northern Ireland. Um, I, you know, I'm part of the, I mean, I was born there. Both parents are from there, but obviously I grew up elsewhere. So for me, it's a bit more natural. Um, but I think we really need to start turning the volume up. And I have to, I'm seeing that now. I mean, obviously, Jane is posting on LinkedIn great success stories of what's happening every day. I mean, yesterday I saw you post um or, or i think it was one of the colleagues of yours that posted about the one one young world conference being um selected for belfast in 2023 you know mit's at a conference that's going to be in, in belfast etc so things are really 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 happening now and i'm seeing you know especially on an investor level there is a lot of interest in in northern ireland in the ecosystem um but i think you know the the education piece and the kind of cultural attitudes needs to change really really quickly because obviously unless we're going to basically be really creating noise um, which is positive noise, of course, not just noise for the sake of noise, then I think, you know, it's almost kind of, a, um, you know, a, a, a hidden gem. Um, and I, I really think we could change that. Actually, I know we're, we're probably running over. Can I just come in? Because that's such a good point, um, Henry. And, and I guess when I, the reason I took up this role is actually as I went through all those journeys in the FDI and the startups and then the, the funding ecosystem, it became really clear to me that we had all the building blocks in place in Northern Ireland to build a really compelling proposition to actually transform the economy, to build those entrepreneurial 
uh, companies and, and to really make the system work. Because actually, when you look from a VC perspective, uh, from an investment opportunity, you look at the talent which we have in spades, you look at where you've got kind of, you know, strong comp competitive advantage, which we have in terms of our research and our existing industry base. And then you look towards where that bends towards a market opportunity. And we have that, we have all the kind of that criteria. And then you look at the funding kind of landscape as well. And we're a really good place to establish it because the cost base and, and the existing interventions that, that, are, that are there. But actually, one of the bits we need to do is get the marketing in place to actually package Northern Ireland and Belfast as an investment case proposition. So bring that all together and, and make it sing and make all the component parts, including our entrepreneurs and all those aspects, give them the pathways to, to make that case forward. And I guess FDI has been a really great part of it because it's highlighted many of Belfast and Northern Ireland successes, Tech Nation's establishment and and sourcing that data-led uh, um, evidence to show actually where we are and where we have the potential to play has been a really critical part. So I just wanted to commend the really good point that Henry made about kind of singing from the rooftops and we need to do more of that. Can I just do a little bit of that as well, just really quickly? <laughs> I mean, just to, to be clear, so firstly, this podcast is going to be going out in two weeks' time. So when yeah. we have had some reference to timings there, this we're, we're recording this on March 11th, but it will be coming out in two weeks' time. But yeah, the reason why Jesse and I aren't jumping in, you are it's absolute gold dust coming from both of you. So please, please uh, follow on from Jane's point, Henry. Yeah, so so it's actually kind of building on from my previous point as well. So um, so so part of the challenge as well that it's probably not spoken that much about is actually, if you look at Intertrade Island for example, they actually operate on an all island basis, right? So they're actually working in partnership with the UK Gov, the Northern Ireland Executive, and also the Republic, um, to 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 basically kind of you know champion the whole island, right? And you know obviously you know I've been part of speaking at some of those events um, on the All Island Innovation Programme, which is a partnership between Queen's, NUI Galway, Dublin City University, and also the University College Cork as well. Um, you know, I love it because obviously, you know, look, I mean, if, if you've got one ecosystem in the South, which is 4 million or so people, and then you've got one in the North that's 1.8, you know, it naturally, you know, it makes sense to kind of, you know, have a lot of cross-pollination and, and really help um, each other, right? I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, I think there's, you know, difficulty there because obviously, you know, you have to rely on synchronization between a lot of stakeholders at government level and policy and quangos and all that kind of thing. Um, one of the things that I've seen recently um, is a friend of mine called Mary McKenna. Um, so she's an entrepreneur, um, very seasoned. Um, she does lots of different things. Um, and she's basically launched a project called Awaken Hub, um, which is basically to champion um, female entrepreneurship across the island of Ireland. So it's kind of like a community kind of hub, if you will. Um, and some of the challenges that they've faced is actually they fall between the gaps between the south and the north, because obviously they have, you know, um, in, in the south, they've got Enterprise Island. Um, in the north, they've got Invest NI. And the perception is, it's actually, you know, this kind of falls under that kind of remit. You know, we've got programs within those two kind of separate entities uh, at each level of the, um, those two different places um, that is kind of solving this, right? But obviously, Mary is actually thinking no. <laughs> and, and Mary and a few other people she's involved with are thinking no, actually, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are female entrepreneurs that's coming to us and actually saying that actually they're not getting the help they need. Um, so obviously, of course, you know, there's great projects like that that can't really tap into any kind of support because, well, I mean, that's quite hard to say, actually, they can tap into support, but it's kind of disjointed. And again, you know, the whole purpose of what they're doing is actually to bring people together as well. Um, so I think, you know, 
I think, you know, people would struggle to position that in Northern Ireland, um, you know, that's part of that programme, because, of course, obviously, you know, there's kind of political aspects to kind of, um, you know, divisions, etc. And, you know, also, you know, as I said before, you know, obviously, it's kind of a place where you don't really kind of moan too much, you kind of keep your head down, and you get going, right. So, you know, but myself, I mean, I'm very, very passionate about female empowerment. And I've got two daughters, so I have to be. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, you know, I think everybody just needs to get together and really push ahead because I feel that, you know, it is really possible to kind of create great things on a cross-border basis. And, um, you know, if you look at the Northwest, I mean, there's kind of a concept of what's west of the band, which is the river band in Northern Ireland, doesn't really get much attention. Everything's very Belfast-centric. Um, you know, I've seen recently the UK government and the executive have secured funding for Derry City um, for, for different things um in entrepreneurship and digital and um, which i think was massively positive right and obviously it's something that really needed to happen to kind of create a you know um you know an equal kind of playing field across the north um, but then also, you know, you look at Brexit, you know, go, there's about 30,000 people that travel across the board to work, board every day to work from Derry to to, um, to Donegal, et cetera, as well. So there's such an interwoven, interlinked kind of business community on both sides. That I think, you know, projects like Awakenhood need to get shouted about because obviously what they're doing is super positive. And of course, they're not trying to replace what Enterprise Island are doing or Invest in I. They're trying to, um, you know, complement it. So, yeah, again, going back to my point, I think obviously things like that, we need to kind of forget all of the kind of... Um, the political aspects and really champion what's going to help everybody. And I'm just going to come in, even though we're <laughs> just just to do another shout out um, in terms of that. So Mary McKenna, um, who I've known for 25 years from the start of my career, has been an extreme mentor to me. But actually, the work that she's doing in Awaken Hub, I guess, just shows that kind of those people are so willing to give up their time and support in terms of advising those early stage mentors. So. Uh, Mary has uh, kindly joined my advisory group in terms of uh, the digital pillar to, to, to support us as we co-create solutions to fill those gaps. And that's what's so important um, is to look towards bringing those skill sets, the people who've been there and done it before. Um, and also Northern Ireland, Belfast is too small to be isolationist. We need to look north, south, we need to look east, west, and we, and we need to look internationally as well. And so we need, need to get those scales of opportunities and the art we're looking as well and those strategies. Absolutely. And, and this, sorry, just to pick Sorry, up. please, please, Henry, one, go ahead. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to get any friends losses after this um, interview, right? <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> so um, another, another shout out that I really want to give, um, and, and look, I'm not favoritizing any accelerated platforms. There's quite a few great ones in Northern Ireland, but, um, and also so social enterprises like workplaces and stuff like that as well. There's people throughout Northern Ireland working on great things to champion small businesses. Um, but I think Ignite, right? I mean, it, I mean, I, I, I personally believe it's a bit controversial. I think most accelerator platforms are a bit of a cult. You know, basically people exchange a little bit of equity to kind of get that signal, you know, kind of the YC model of, um, you know, we're, we're part of YC, so you need to invest in this kind of thing. Um, you know, and th there is some great platforms. I mean, YC is brilliant, you know, Techstars is brilliant, but I think a lot of the more kind of lower key ones tend to be kind of not exactly that great. And, you know, I'm really, really impressed with what Chris McKellen and the guys, Ian Brown and everybody has built at Ignite. Um, I, I don't think people realize, but they're actually a team of three people. Um, and um, I don't think they've got the resources to hire anybody else because obviously, um, you know, money's tight and all that. But, um, you know, obviously, again, you know, for me personally, I'm seeing the great work that they're doing. They're really, really, really pulling in big name speakers for their program, big name mentors, um, you know, and getting a lot of global attention. And VCs are pinging me all the time saying, hey, what's happening with these Ignite guys and, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, 
again, if I was doing policy, I mean, Jane, I mean, you probably would step in after this one, but, <laughs> but if I was doing policy, you know, for me, uh, you know, a, a council or, you know, investment level or whatever it may be, um, you know, I would be looking at thinking, okay, we need to support these guys, right? We need to think outside of the box here because these guys are doing great work. You know, obviously, if we can maybe support them with an extra person or some extra resource or whatever, that's helping everybody. And I think we need to kind of get out of those silos of thinking, okay, well, that's Ignite's problem. They've only got three people and they're trying to manage hundreds of startups. Um, but it's actually everybody's benefit. It's not a problem. And, you know, I think what Chris and the guys are doing there for me has been another pull. You know, it's been another reason why I'm actually seeing a lot of activity, um, you know, and, and, and something that I feel is super positive about the ecosystem. You know, they're based smack bang in the middle of Belfast. So there's, you know, in my opinion, them and Omo are probably two of the kind of um, champions of the ecosystem. Um, you know, I think we need to do more to support them. And, you know, whether that's giving our time as mentors or, you know, support or investing in startups, right? Let's put our money where our mouth is and start investing in some local, local indigenous startups. Um, I think that helps everybody because the rising tide lifts all boats. There is so much to unpack from what both of you said. And to be honest, I think we could talk for a hell of a lot longer. So thank you very much for going to such depth. I think there's just a few points that really resonated with me. Um, you know, this idea of collaboration across ecosystems is something that has been said earlier in the podcast series um, by Melissa Snova, who's the CEO of a 3D printing company in Birmingham. You know, she she's uh, American originally or from New York originally. And said, how we're looking at the UK ecosystems in the wrong way. The United Kingdom should be should be uniting uh, as as a whole as a whole package and as a whole sort of uh, proposition to investors. And it, it's clearly the same thing you're saying in Belfast, and also the cross border collaboration with with the Republic of Ireland. There is so much that we so many different topics that I want to deep dive into, but I'm keen to keep this sort of within our usual time frame. Jesse, I wonder if you had any thoughts. I have so many thoughts, but yeah, I think we'd probably be here for another hour. I think for me, it's just um, if, you know, Henry, from your side, like I know that you've immersed yourself in different other different hubs across Europe. I just wonder whether you had any key takeaways that you can kind of summarize into a minute or so in terms of how Belfast compares and, and how what you'd like to see um, Belfast essentially become. Okay, cool. Um, so look, I mentioned before, I kind of see it as like London in 2008, right? Um, nobody really understood what we was doing in 2008. I think obviously there was early signs of um, what happened in the US being implemented with the creation of CCAMP, which I thought was a kind of driving force for me um, in terms of building the London ecosystem. Of course, policy helped. Um, you know, I'm not a huge Boris fan, but um, you know, when he's a mayor, obviously quite a good uh, few things happened to really create that cluster around sort of Shoreditch. And, and that's kind of like fragmented across the UK, as, as, as the person on the Birmingham podcast mentioned. Um, I think in terms of comparison, I don't like to compare. You know, obviously, you know, it's very... It's very easy to try and compare chalk and cheese, but it's completely different. I think Belfast has got its own strengths. It's got its own challenges. Um, but what I think is, is, is very, very important to kind of flag here is that in my opinion, you know, a lot of the other ecosystems have a lot of competition for talent um, in terms of, you know, if a bank decides to have 500 developers hired tomorrow and they're willing to pay double market rate, you can't do nothing, right? And this is kind of sometimes a danger of FDI focus because obviously you kind of almost um, distinguish, sorry, extinguish um, the, um, the competitive, competitive kind of ability of indigenous startups to compete for talent. Um, I actually think that is still... Um, not a massive problem in Belfast and Northern Ireland. I think you can still really compete for talent. I mean, you know, I've been overwhelmed by amount, the amount of people that's reached out to me and, and want to come and work with me. Um, but I feel that, you know, um, the, the biggest draw for me is actually um, that, you know, you are almost at the, the nucleus of the ecosystem when you're building a startup, even now. 
Um, and, you know, obviously in other startups, um, eco ecosystems such as London or Berlin, where I've worked or, you know, even even less established ones, sometimes that ship has sailed. And, you know, obviously it's very easy to even raise good money um, and, and very and very much struggle to make noise. Right. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, there's so much combining factors at the moment in terms of, you know, um, where we are in the world and um, obviously people actually look into other tier two and three cities or you know tier one in northern Ireland with Belfast but you know in terms of actually the possibilities that can come from there and I think you know that hybrid model between work and also um, working from home and internationalized um, sort of distributed teams etc for me makes it more possible than ever to make a world-class you know outlier to be formed in Belfast scale from Belfast and also become a very international business and you know for me that is better an opportunity in Belfast than it is in Berlin, London, you know, wherever I've been. Um, and I think it is going to be only getting better. But of course, you know, when markets start to overboil, you know, Belfast might, you know, become London and, you know, um, it might be Newry or it might be, you know, Derry, where it's the kind of favourable conditions. But I think at the moment you can do it anywhere in Northern Ireland. Um, but Belfast for me is kind of a natural place. Well, that's a fantastic summary. And, and certainly that's a really interesting angle you touched on, sort of the competition for talent between FDI, foreign companies setting up in these hubs and around sort of the innovation happening versus actually domestic startups. And I think, Jesse, we should definitely explore that on a future episode. Jane, I'd love to hear a, a quick summary from you also, main takeaways uh, about the Belfast uh, ecosystem to, to round off our conversation. Thanks very much, uh, Jesse and Alex. Really so glad to have spent the last, last while uh, discussing with your team. Really uh, enjoyed it. I guess just in summary, it feels to me that we are at a special time in Belfast and Northern Ireland, um, that there is a real opportunity uh, to leverage all the significant investment, our talent, our ecosystem to, to be at the start of something which can be really quite special. And we have done much of the, the hard development platform to get there. We have done uh, a lot of the work that we talked about with the incubator ecosystems, the early stage investment funds. Um, and the talent pipeline. So it feels to me we're at the kind of start of that renaissance within the sector, and this is a real time of opportunity. Uh, we've also got very significant funds coming in uh, to the market um, with the city deals and the growth deals across, across the regions to kind of fund that growth and strategy. And, and again, you know, um, whilst no one would have wanted the last 12 months that we've had in terms of the pandemic, it's actually kind of forced us to be more outward looking and looking towards more uh, kind of more connected and, and remove those barriers for, for place and strategy as part of that. So I think that creates, a, again, a, a compelling platform. Again, back to the point is, is the talent piece uh, and also the work that needs that, that is being developed as part of those reskilling, very significant reskilling programs. Uh, we led one um, earlier um, in, in, in this year in terms of reskilling those non-tech graduates. And reskilling them into those skills of the future and in cloud and into cyber and getting those into industry. So making sure we build capacity in the ecosystem so that we can make that balance between fulfilling those skill sets and um, between the FDIs and our entrepreneurial communities and encouraging more people like Henry uh, back into the market and the people who've been there and done that, such as Mary, in terms of fostering those pathways and, and kind of um, providing routes um, to support within that network in terms of growing the next generation uh, uh, unicorns and also the zebras. So really, uh, I think it's a very promising time within Northern Ireland and um, delighted to share that story here with FDI. Well, fantastic. Thank you so, so much, both of you. And really this, the cross-pollination between FDIs, domestic startups, different ecosystems is what this series is all about. So can only thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts on the Belfast ecosystem. 
And thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to, to listen to both of you. And I hope um, to hopefully, we always say this to everybody at the end of the episode, but we mean it. Hopefully we'll be able to meet in person one day. <laughs> Hope so. I hope so. In Belfast, right? In Belfast, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Alex, it seems like we'll be doing a lot of travelling uh, if and when we're allowed. Uh, we keep telling everybody at all these different ecosystems that we hope to see them in person and that we'll make the trek over there. Um, but that was such a great conversation, super candid, which I really enjoyed. Um, obviously, I know I have my own takeaways, but before I kind of like summarise my thoughts, what did you think? Well, there's so much to that stood out for me in that that episode. I think you know a piece that is really is a common theme we've seen across a lot of the rising ecosystems is is about marketing uh, all of the great things happening in there and shouting from the rooftops as as Henry said and and Jane Jane said you know you've got all the talent you've got exciting companies you've got exciting cross pollination between industries uh, and there's there's a lot of opportunities for investors as well as uh, potential founders in this ecosystem and it's about getting out there and shouting about it and marketing it in a in a sort of uh, um a, a condensed and, and unified way and certainly that's something we we look into uh you know location branding at fdi intelligence and how how do you make sure your location is standing out and the things that are happening in your ecosystem are clear to people outside of them what about you jesse what was what were the things that, that stood out for you no, I totally agree with that point. I think um, just in my experience um, in terms of like reporting across different hubs in the UK, that's historically something that every particular area has had a huge problem with. And that is talking about what they're good at and why. Um, so I totally agree on that. I also thought, however, that when Henry was talking about the relationship between entrepreneurs and investors in the ecosystem, that that was really interesting because I think sometimes people forget that actually it's not always necessary to raise money from VCs. Not every business is set up um, to raise VC money. And also being able to raise money is not a measure of success by any means. And listen, I'm putting my hand up because I know that us as the media, we're guilty of, um, you know, kind of uh, over celebrating huge funding rounds sometimes. Um, but I just think everything he said um, was very much um, in line with the stories that we're seeing across other ecosystems that are perhaps a little bit more early stage. Um, and I think there needs to be a huge education piece in terms of what's expected of entrepreneurs, what's expected of investors, what the pros and cons are. Um, but also just, you know, uh, for entrepreneurs to know when is the right time um, to approach an investor, I think it's crucial, right? Because I think if you get a no and you're too early, you might go away and then get a little bit disillusioned. Um, so I think all of these things um, coming together and kind of playing together are going to only benefit the ecosystem once everything is a little bit more aligned and um, and just kind of set up for the, for the future. But Alex, I really want to know, where are we off to next? Well, in two weeks' time, we are travelling across the UK to Cardiff in Wales. So our first venture into Wales, and that make, make, means that we'll, we'll have covered all four countries within the United Kingdom. But of course, it's going to be in two weeks' time because in the meantime, we are producing the latest issue uh, of FDI Intelligence magazine. And for anyone who is interested, it focuses on regionalisation uh, of supply chains and manufacturing. So slightly outside of our tech startup and ecosystem focus of this podcast. But Jesse, I know you've got a column coming up uh, in the next magazine. What are you looking at? 
That I do. So I'm looking at Tel Aviv um, and I'm really excited about this piece. I really enjoyed writing it. And I think uh, just to everybody listening, keep your eyes peeled because there's a nice fresh angle for everybody to sink their teeth into. So super exciting ecosystem. Um, but as is often the case with many of these um, hubs, it definitely has its own challenges. So I go a little bit deeper into that and kind of look at what's already happening on the ground to try and solve these. Fantastic. So plenty of ecosystem content, plenty of our FDI content to look out for. But at this point, thank you to all of our listeners who've made it this far and made it through the second part of our Belfast episode. If you've enjoyed this, we'd really appreciate if you subscribe. It only not only means that you'll get access to our previous episodes, but you'll be notified about our future content. Jesse, thank you again for joining me on this exploration. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you in two weeks' time in Cardiff. See you next time.